4: Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Well, we had a very interesting day yesterday. The uh, President of the United States uh, looked straight at the sun, and uh, Tucker Carlson just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And and then he went on to uh, to basically play the part of Richard Nixon. So first, the, uh, the Tucker Carlson. This is, this is just hysterical. This is, this is just the audio. This is from Fox News. Uh, last night, Tucker Carlson. Even the president saw it,
5: but in a move that is not a complete surprise. He looked directly at the sun without any
4: glasses. Perhaps the most impressive thing any president's ever done. If he... yeah, Perhaps the most impressive thing any president has ever done. Now, I don't honestly know if Tucker Carlson meant that totally tongue-in-cheek or if he was just, you know, like, I mean, you know, he's Trump's number one cheerleader, him, well, number two to Sean Hannity, I suppose. Um, but in any case, the, uh, the president of the United States talked about war and peace and how, you know, a war could be won, right? And, and we're going to do it. Uh, here he is. Nate with the first clip.
1: Tonight, I do not tell you that the war in Vietnam is the war to end wars, but I do say this, I have initiated a plan which will end this war in a way that will bring us closer to that great goal to which, Goodwill wrote, to which Woodrow Wilson and every American president in our history has been dedicated, the goal of a just and lasting peace. As President, I hold the responsibility for choosing the best path to that goal and then leading the nation along it. I pledge to you tonight that I shall meet this responsibility with all of the strength and wisdom I can command, in accordance with your hopes, mindful of your concerns, sustained
4: by your prayers.
1: Thank
4: you. Good night. Well, Nixon didn't even have a teleprompter he did a better job of reading <laughs> than Trump. But they, in my opinion, this is exactly what we're seeing. I, you know, I, I was, I watched a little bit of morning television this morning uh, with my jaw dropped. I mean, you know, on both MSNBC and CNN, there were guests saying, yeah, we have to do this to make sure that we don't have another 9-11. Seriously. I mean, repeatedly and all the, all the pundits, all the, you know, the, the inside the beltway conventional wisdom crowd are all going, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. That's what we got to do. We got to prevent another 9-11. Come on. After 9-11, the Taliban, who we had given $40 million to just a few months earlier to stop the opium poppies in, in, uh, Afghanistan, uh, you know, the, 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 the Taliban just They, they said. I mean, Mullah Omar came out and said, "You know, give us even the smallest shred of evidence that Osama bin Laden was involved with 9/11, and we will gladly arrest him and turn him over to a third country." And George W. Bush said, "No, I want to have a war. We're going to start bombing your country. We don't really want Osama bin Laden. If he's at large, then you know he's a bigger-than-life figure and." Uh, which makes me uh, George W. Bush a bigger than life figure in pursuing him so I can be you know Batman and, and he'll be he'll be the juggler I'll be Superman, he'll be Lex Luthor um, or whatever. So we got this uh, this cynical war just like we got the cynical war with the Gulf of Tonkin resolution back in the in 68, 69 whatever year it was must have been prior to 69 must have been more like 60. or 66, I forget what year it was. But in any case, the, uh, you know, we got lied into another war. Yeah, it was 64 was the Gulf of Tonkin. Thank you. Um, If we don't, the the, the slogan, did you, Nate, you, you were unable to find a clip of Nixon saying this, I'm guessing. You couldn't find one. Okay. Okay. Those of you who are old enough to remember will remember Nixon and many other of the, of the people Back in the 60s and 70s talking about the Vietnam War, um, talking about the domino theory, right? If, if, uh, if Vietnam falls, next is Cambodia, Cambodia falls, next is Laos, Laos falls, uh, next is Thailand, Thailand falls, and next is Los Angeles. No, I'm not making this up. If, if, if you're old enough to remember, you'll remember that this was the logic of the Vietnam War. If we don't fight them here, if we don't fight them there, we're going to have to fight them here. Now, I have not seen Vietnam Vietnamese forces invading the United States since we pulled out of Vietnam in 73 or 74, but it, it, you know, this is crazy stuff. You can't have a functioning democracy in a country with 70, 80% illiteracy, which is Afghanistan. You can't have a functioning democracy in a country where the annual gross domestic product or, you know, the GDP before we started bombing them was $2 billion a year. That's nothing. The, 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 the median family income was $700 a year in Afghanistan. It was the second poorest country in the world behind Burkina Faso when we started bombing them. We didn't have to bomb them back to the Stone Age. Half the country was literally living in the Stone Age. And you're going to turn this into a liberal democracy? I mean, I just don't see it happening. Breitbart. This is this is you know very interesting. Breitbart last night. The headline. I'll just read the headlines to you. Trump reverses course, will send more troops to Afghanistan. Defends flip flop in somber speech. Unlimited war. And then some of the small, some of the smaller articles. Uh, we are not nation building again. We are killing terrorists. Echoes Obama. Blank check rhetoric. McMaster's his McMaster's voice is Trump's Afghanistan policy. Any different from Obama's exclusive America first rallies canceled replaced with online day of action over threats of, you know, that's talking to his base and Paul Ryan on Charlottesville. There are no sense. So that's, and, and, and by the way, I, you know, I was last night was also the hour long infomercial for Paul Ryan's presidential ambitions put on by Jake Tapper and CNN and you know, Trump is not all that happy with Paul Ryan right now. You almost wonder, did he schedule this for last night just because CNN scheduled this thing with, with uh, Paul Ryan and he wanted to basically take, take it down, take them down? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I think the, uh, the ultimate, you know, top of the line article or story on this actually came from, uh, the onion where they're quoting the president. Obviously they made this up, but you know they're, they're saying that, the, the, that uh, Trump said last night, Well, let me be perfectly clear. I can't do a good Trump imitation, so I'll just do a guy in the White House imitation. Let me be perfectly clear. America will not rest until our enemies have been defeated and the Afghan people are free, unless I start to get frustrated by all this, come across some other thing that seems like a bigger deal, or see a segment on TV that tells me we should do something else nothing aside from maybe a personal feud with a media personality that occupies all my time and energy will defeat our resolve. right. so, you know, was Trump just trying to t- trash Paul Ryan? I don't know. but the reality is that the war in Afghanistan was won just a few weeks after we started it. We pushed the we pushed the Taliban out. We deposed Mullah Omar. uh, you know, we we took over the country. We took down the government. We did the same thing in Iraq in a matter of weeks. And what's been going on for the last 16 years is not a war. It's an occupation and occupations don't end well. The other, the other meme that I heard this morning, you know, Joe, Joe Scarborough kept saying, well, maybe, maybe Afghanistan is just like South Korea. Excuse me? South Korea is a pluralistic democracy with a very, very high literacy rate and a high, you know, the average income there is, is right where it is, more or less what it is in the United States. I mean, it's a fully developed country. But his point is, you know, we've got 30,000 troops in South Korea. Well, yeah, we do, but it's not because we need to, to pacify South Korea. They're there to protect South Korea from North Korea, at least in theory. I mean, you could argue that they're just there as, you know, US Empire. But uh, you know, whatever it is. So the 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 weakness of the stories that are being pushed in the media to support this war slash occupation is pathetic. But the military military industrial complex needs their billions. The uh, uh anadolu agency the the turkish news agency reporting more than half of the 76 billion dollars worth of u.s. military aid that went to afghanistan has been looted and embezzled Wonderful. this is the tom hartman program so we're sending soldiers over there they're dying they're getting ptsd they're getting uh, addicted to narcotics and for what for what Fuck back So uh, a lot of actually, there's a lot of stuff in the news that I want to get to. But uh, the just to to wrap up this stuff on on uh, Trump's speech last night. Um, Oh, this is actually we have a this is this is uh, one of the more salient points from Trump's speech um, in which he says, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing, which is actually pretty bizarre. Here he is.
5: We will not talk about numbers of troops or our plans for further military activities. Conditions on the ground, not arbitrary timetables, will guide our strategy from now on. We are not nation building again. We are killing terrorists. They are nothing but thugs and criminals and predators and, that's right, losers. I will not say when we are going to attack, but attack we will.
4: Thugs and criminals and terrorists. Right. Sort of how uh, George the described us at one point in time. Uh, the countries people do not like to be occupied, and when you occupy a country over a long period of time, you stir up indigenous insurgencies, shall we say. But here, this is where it gets really interesting. Jeremy Bash uh, was on uh, Brian Williams' show last time. And he said, I think there's a, a real problem with not telling the American people how many troops you're deploying, all that kind of stuff. He says, after all, in Afghanistan, we're part of a 39-member NATO-led coalition. It's inconceivable that we will deploy troops there, tell the Afghan number of the total of troops, Tell 39 other nations the nature, the number and composition of our troops, but not tell the American people. That doesn't make much sense. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just crazy, crazy talk on Trump's part. Basically what he's saying is the same thing Nixon said, which is, you know, give me a blank check and I will, I will solve all your problems. This, uh, by the way, the, the Washington Post, this is from the if the Fix, Trump's, Trump's private deliberations detailed in interviews with more than a dozen senior administration officials and outside allies revealed a president unattached to any particular foreign policy doctrine. Now, when he was elected, people thought he was a non-interventionist. He was against stupid foreign wars, but apparently not. Apparently he doesn't care. To finish this sentence, revealed a president unattached to any particular foreign policy doctrine but willing to be persuaded as long as he could be seen as a strong and decisive leader. McMaster tried to persuade Trump to recommit by presenting Trump with a black and white snapshot from 1972 of Afghan women in miniskirts walking through Kabul to show him that Western norms had existed before there, there before and could return. Well, yeah, Western norms did exist in Afghanistan before we blew up the damn country. By the way, uh, uh, Kelly's—you uh, I, I, know—I I listening to that speech last night, I kept thinking uh, a military man wrote this speech, and I think John Kelly probably wrote the speech. Although, you know, it's not typically the role of the chief of staff to be a speechwriter, but boy, did it sound like his voice. His uh, son. The second lieutenant Robert M. Kelly he was 29 years old and was leading a, uh, uh, a platoon or a group of, yeah, a platoon of Marines in uh, 2010 in Afghanistan. Kelly's son, his 29 year old son, stepped on a landmine and died in Afghanistan. So, uh, you know, one, one advisor called him the accelerator, this is from today's Washington Post. In other words, Kelly is like, saying, you know, they killed my son. We're going to, we're going to get revenge. I mean, is that, is that what's going on here? It seems, it's at least seems at least that that's what that's being, that that is what is being employed. And meanwhile, in Barcelona, while our president and the talk show hosts on TV are saying, oh, we have to be afraid. We have to be really afraid. We have to occupy Afghanistan so that, so that we can't have a group of people hatching schemes to do another 9-11 in the United States as if Afghanistan is the only place in the world where people can get together and come up with an idea to attack the United States. I mean, that's how bizarre it is. What, we're supposed to occupy, literally occupy every single country in the world where there might be terrorists planning to strike us? You're gonna start with France and Germany? I mean, it's like, this is crazy. But good news about how the Europeans are responding to this kind of stuff. And it's going to be interesting to see what that, you know, how that's going to lead to this 39-nation coalition in Afghanistan. So anyhow, Trump pulls a Nixon last night. We'll be right. All the important stories we cover and the issues we care about are at HartmanReport.com. Members of our community can comment and join the conversation. Uh, More than half of the $76 billion worth of U.S. military aid to the Afghan security forces has been looted and embezzled, a former intelligence officer told the Anadolu Agency. Uh, This uh, piece by Shadi Khan Saif in uh, Turkey's uh, Anadolu uh, News. Around $18 billion had been spent on transportation infrastructure projects, operations, and training among the hardware-provided Afghan forces by the U.S. were 600,000 small arms, such as handguns and rifles, 136,000 radios, 76,000 vehicles, including 22,000 Humvees, and 30,000 pieces of bomb disposal equipment, around 16,000 intelligence and surveillance items, surveillance items, such as unmanned surveillance drones, 208 aircraft. And 110 helicopters were also provided to the Afghan forces. This is what we're giving to the Afghan army that uh, they are alleging is going missing. I mentioned Europe. I want to I just quickly cover this and then I'll pick up your phone calls. Uh, this is from uh, Ann Applebaum in today's Washington Post. And it's, it's a must-read article. After Barcelona, a new message for the terrorists and politicians who exploit fear is the, is the headline. And basically what Ann Applebaum is describing is how in Europe, they have figured out that the goal of terrorism is to produce terror. You'll recall, at, you know, after 9-11, George W. Bush, rather than rather than saying, you know, we are not afraid, he said, you know, we're going to come and get you, right? It sounds like a tough guy response to an act of terrorism. And, you know, it's, it's not terrible in and of itself. I mean, the way he executed it was a disaster. But the, the sentiment is not entirely terrible. Um, but what it turned into was we are terribly afraid. As I said, this was the rationale I kept hearing this morning on, on, uh, Scarborough's show and other programs is, you know, we can't let a group, uh, in Afghanistan plot another nine eleven. Oh, but it's fine if we let a group in the Philippines do it. It's fine if we let a group in Germany do it. It's fine if we let a group in Burkina Faso do it. I mean, it doesn't matter where it is, right? Any place. It's fine if we let a group in in Wyoming do it, apparently. But anyhow, what, what, what the Europeans have said is that, you know, we understand. In fact, this is from Ann Applebaum. More people fear not terrorism. This is in Europe. She says, the atmosphere in Europe and particularly in Europe's most heterogeneous, most cosmopolitan cities has changed in recent months. More people fear not terrorism, but the possible political aftermath of terrorism. The anger and hysteria that could be manipulated by populist politicians seeking support or by tabloid media seeking sales. So how do they express this? She writes, uh, the mood in Barcelona was, this is yesterday, the mood in Barcelona was defiant, not fearful, angry, not hysterical. After a moment of silence last Friday, crowds in the city spontaneously began to chant, I am not afraid, we are not afraid. This chant mirrors the sentiments in London a few months ago after a similarly amateurish group tried to execute a similarly low-tech attack in Borough Market, another lively and crowded place. In the wake of that attack, the London mayor, Sadiq Khan, sounded exactly the same notes as the Spanish crowd, addressing himself to, quote, the sick and vile extremists who did these hideous crimes he declared, we will defeat you. You will not win, period, after each word. So that's what's going on there. They're saying, okay, you know, we're, this is this is craziness. So you can see, and you can see what we're doing here. Rick in Western West Virginia. Hey, Rick, what's up?
3: Hey, yeah, I, I find it ironic and saddening that it was a Republican president, Eisenhower, warned us basically of this whole situation we find ourselves in. It was a Republican President Nixon who sabotaged the Paris peace talks. Yep. It was a Republican President Reagan who pulled out of Lebanon after the bombing of marine barracks, but he fought a little war in Granada. Right. It was Bush and his big money and all his cohorts have got us involved in Iraq, and you're exactly right about Afghanistan. We had them cornered in a corner of Afghanistan. We could have finished the job and got out and stayed out of Iraq and let Saddam Hussein zeal, deal with those zealots. Uh, I believe you're right. Some societies are not ready for democracy. Thank you.
4: Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. It's uh, uh, well said, and I completely agree. And by the way, Rick, since you're from West Virginia, let me just share this uh, quick story with you. Uh, this is from Common Dreams, It was published yesterday by Andrea Germanos, a staff uh, writer there. The National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine said Monday that they had received a letter from the Interior Department's office of— Now, keep in mind, the Interior Department is run by Ryan Zinke, former Tea Party Republican member of Congress. And Zinke is trying to sell off all the public lands and and basically, you know, just stop anything that might have to do with—, with uh, you know the public health, right? Uh, so they got a, so the, the National Academies of Sciences got a letter from the Interior Department ordering it to put a halt to its two year project. Now, what, it largely as a result of the department's changing budget situation, what was that two year project? The two year project was to uh, to fight to study the health impacts of mountaintop mountain uh, mountaintop uh, mining, mountaintop removal. And this was launched last year after a request from officials from the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection and the State Bureau for Public Health, noting that in light of scientific research linking mountaintop removal to increased risks of birth defects, cancer, and premature deaths among residents living near large-scale surface coal mines in Appalachia, Appalachia, they said, this is why we would like you to do, we would like you, the federal government, to do a study of the risks of mountaintop mining. Mountain removal mining, and uh, the Trump administration just said no. Cease all work. This was the uh, the official order. Cease all work on this. Don't don't look into this at all. We don't you know we don't care. If people are dying from this. It doesn't matter. Andy in Chicago. Hey Andy, what's up? Uh, in that case, let me let me. Do, I'm just I'll pick up the rest of your phone calls right after this. I also wanted to tell you about uh, Ray Dalio. He is the uh, wealthiest and most powerful hedge fund manager in the United States. He manages 150 billion dollars worth of assets over at Bridgewater. Uh, he's got some concerns about the nature of our economy. I'm sure all that. Will when was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent at my desk much more than ever but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X-chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X-chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-chair want you to feel the X-chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com now... That's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M dot Not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code Tom, T-H-O-M. Just go to X chair, right now. I love my X chair and you will, too. So check out X chair, Tom, T-H-O-M, X chair, Tom Welcome back. Andy in Chicago. Hey, Andy, what's on your mind today?
5: Hey, uh, first time caller, long time listener. Thank you, Andy. I just wanted to say that basically what Donald Trump said last night was, you know, freedom is slavery, war is peace, you know, that in order to achieve peace, we need war. And, uh, you know, again, but the thing is that as, as the book says, 1984, um, the, the war is not meant to be won; it's meant to be continuous.
4: Yes. Yeah. And, and that's uh, what, and that's what we've been doing for 16 years, and uh, you know, maintaining this occupation in, in both uh, Afghanistan and for 15 years now in Iraq. And uh, you know, this is well. Back to you, Andy. I'm sorry. Yeah.
5: No, I just wanted to say that. And and again, this is a, a, a Bannon. You know, pulling the strings again. He need uh, Trump needed a, a, a diversion with all this uh you know uh thing that he was going through with you know with his comments
4: with Charles uh, so
5: yeah. you know again this is just uh, and and the thing is that if we if if we go for it or if we believe you know the the president in quotes you know then we're going to get suckered in for another 16 years or you know however long
4: yeah yeah totally agree and thank you well said. David in Woodland Hills, California. Hey, David, what's up?
6: Thank you, Guru. Uh, brief rant, if I may. Please. Before the speech, I was reading the Rolling Stone article on Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, how in 1984 he went to a U.S. Attorney's Conference in San Diego. And from where he was, you could see across the border into Mexico. There he saw thousands of people waiting for nightfall so they could enter illegally. The the border was much more porous than police were catching 500,000 a year in San Diego County alone. So Sessions is horrified by what he sees. And today, he's one of those who want to build a wall to keep them out. And it occurred to me, conservatives only see effect. Liberals see cause and effect. We know that American corporations bribed the government and the military so they could take over all the natural resources, all the wealth, while the people were murdered or work for peanuts. We know how our war on drugs created the most vicious drug cartels in history and made life a living hell down there. And if we lived down there, we'd be coming up here, too. To me... Trump's speech last night was the same. It was all about effect and militarily walling it off. Nothing about cause. Perhaps Tom, conservatives only see effect because they are the cause.
4: Well, it could Therefore, be. It could be, David. And, and your your point is well taken. I do think, though, that when people who generally oppose the you know Donald Trump, I mean, including people like Joe Scarborough this morning. Um, you know, uh, on many or some of Trump's policies, he's opposed to them. Um, But on this, it's like, oh yeah, let's, let's, you know, amp up the war. Let's make more money for the military industrial complex. Let's sell more weapons over there. Let's, you know, is is this the the new way to stimulate the Republican way to stimulate the economy? Uh, You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. David, thank you for the call. Jory in Pueblo, Colorado. Hey, Jory, what's on your mind?
7: Hey Tom, I just wanted to call in and you you're right on about that minerals thing in Afghanistan. I mean I've stood on the southern border of Afghanistan and Pakistan and mm-hmm. I was there for over a year. I can tell you that you can see the bases, the Taliban and Al Qaeda bases, like right across the border.
4: In in and Pakistan.
7: Can't yeah. You see them right across the border. You can't do anything about it. I mean they shoot rockets at us, artillery at us from over there. We call the Pakistan Army and we say, hey, do you guys hear anything? Do you guys uh, happen to see those guys who may be over there shooting artillery at us? And they just laugh. Yeah. I mean, they don't even go and pursue them.
4: Pakistan so, has I mean, apparently been badly compromised. I mean, the, the government has been badly compromised by these. Guys. Well, I mean, they were hiding bin Laden you know, and, and apparently knew that they were doing it. Uh, for well, years a, and years, but base, you know, so they
7: have an Al Qaeda base the size of Rhode Island down in southern Pakistan.
4: Yeah, so Trump is getting is getting credit for calling this out, but Obama did the same thing. You know, a couple of years ago, Obama, you know, g- gave a speech saying this is this is a problem uh, that that, it, that exists in both Afghanistan and Pakistan. I mean, the Taliban is Pashtun. That's that's mostly Af- that's mostly uh, Pakistan, not. Not Afghanistan, right. if, if I recall. But
7: the point I was trying to get to with that is that you you can't end this war. I mean, you can go over, you can go over there and wipe everyone out in Afghanistan right now, which is I would never say to do that, but you could. And they would just send more fighters from southern Pakistan across right. the border the next day, and you just have a brand new fight on your hands.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there
7: is no end in the war, so he's literally just staying over there for those minerals so that he can get a payoff for doing what it, for doing what we did,
4: or he can get. You know his 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 buddies in the big mining companies get them a payoff, and then they'll give him a payoff or something. But I I'm not even sure that he's that sophisticated in this. I think that this is just you know the there there has essentially been a, a military coup here in the United States. Uh, Donald Trump has three generals running the White House basically, and 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 running his policies. And you know generals love wars. I mean, outside of generals who have fought in wars. Um, well I guess these generals have fought in uh, some of them anyway have fought in wars but uh, you know Eisenhower was no fan of war but and, and in fact he ran on you know in 52 on ending the, the Korean conflict but it's just it, it we have we've have completely capitulated to these guys Jory thank you for the call that's that's you know you, you speak with authority that's that's a great uh, that's a great message thank you Marty in Evergreen Park Illinois hey Marty what's up
6: Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to point out I was just as confused about our strategy in Afghanistan uh, after after Donald Trump's speeches. I was kind of going into it. I still have no clue what he's planning on doing that's any bit different than what we have been doing. Um, And I just wanted to see if you had any insight into that.
4: No, it's, other. this is just unlimited war. It, you know, war is good for the commander-in-chief. It expands, as James Madison pointed out, it expands the power of the presidency and, and, and also provides the president with an opportunity to reward his, his big financial backers in the military-industrial complex and to do it in ways that don't have the normal oversight you know, requirements uh, that, that other, other ways of getting money to your, to your friends would, would have. And uh, that, I, that is what I think is going on. I think that tr- Trump has, has, is deferring to the generals. Uh, the generals are loving the war. They're probably all gonna have you know, multi-million dollar jobs do with defense contractors once they leave the White House, you know, sitting on the boards of directors of these companies with great prestige and whatnot. And, and the war machine goes on. And I, I guarantee you, Marty, and, th- and thank you for the call. That the people who voted for Trump, thinking that he was a non-interventionist, thinking that he was opposed to what he referred to during the Republican primary as stupid wars, people who voted for him are not supporting this uh, by and law. I, I guarantee you. Uh, Marty, thanks for the call. We'll be back. Welcome back. Tom Harbin. here with you. Uh, some some news. I, when I was reading Breitbart headlines earlier, one of the headlines I read, and I, I just kind of said it, and then I said, you know, we'll get back to this, was that uh, 36 states, in, in 36 states, pro-Trump rallies have been canceled. Now, the group that is doing this is called Act for America, and they had proclaimed Saturday, September 9th, that would be, what, a week and a half from now, as uh, the Day of Action, ACT in all caps, I-O-N, um, uh, you know, ACT for America, and the headline over at Breitbart was that they canceled, and and also on Drudge for that matter, is that they've canceled these rallies in 36 states because uh, people are afraid of violence from uh, left-wing protesters or something like that. I don't know. They've got some weird theory. But when you look, they they're organizing it over on Facebook. And if you go to their Facebook page where they had the RSVP list, and I'm getting this from um, from uh, well, it, apparently it started at Gizmodo.com. Uh, Pro Trump rallies in 36 states canceled will be held. So uh, as of this morning, the RSVP list wasn't wasn't looking too promising. Uh, they write uh, this uh, Virginia VA lefty, I'm assuming it's a Virginia lefty, uh, posted this also over Democratic Underground. Um, As of this morning, the RSVP list wasn't looking too promising. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, two people going. Boston, eight people going. Cape Cod, eight people going. Mays Landing, New Jersey, seven people going. Sebring, Florida, two people going. Washington, D.C., three people. Yes, they could get three people to come to a pro-Trump rally. I have a feeling that they're canceling it for more than just that. Uh, meanwhile, vice president Pence is going to join Donald Trump in Phoenix tonight for his, uh, Hey, let's, uh, shout out to Joe Arpaio, whether we pardon him or not. Uh, let's bash brown people from Mexico, etc." Uh, et cetera, rally his uh, so-called campaign rally. Now keep in mind, he declared his candidacy for 2020 hours after he was inaugurated on January 20th, 2020. 17 and said, you know, okay, I'm a candidate and therefore it was able to start immediately raising money for his, for his 2020 campaign and has been doing so very aggressively. I'm on the mailing list and it's every other day. It's a new, Hey, would you like a mug? Would you like a cup? Would you, you know, the president's logo? The president would like, you know, it's a lottery. The president would like to see you and, and you can come join him for dinner if you know, you'll be what the lucky one, all this amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty good at it, but the, the, cool, the core thing, and it's cool from their point of view, is that if this is a campaign rally tonight, then the campaign gets to decide who comes to the rally, whereas if it's the president of the United States addressing the people of Phoenix, the campaign doesn't get to decide who goes to the rally. Well, Trump wants to very carefully control who comes to his rallies because he doesn't want, you know, people who might look different from him. He doesn't want people who might think different than him to be there. And this is, this is like, you know, racism on parade. And there are some folks in the United States, particularly some business people who are starting to say enough already. There's a company called GMM nonstick coatings here in the United States. It is, it's CEO Was you know born in Waukegan, Illinois, and raised in Waukegan, Illinois. He's as American as you can get. However, his parents, grandparents—I don't know—somewhere in his family tree, somebody came here from India. And in fact, his name is Raveen Gandhi. Fine Indian name. And he wrote an op-ed for MSNBC, or excuse me, for CNBC, where he is a regular contributor. And in this op-ed, he wrote, and this is from Raw Story, by the way. They've got the article, and they've also got the sound clip that I'm going to play for you in a minute. He wrote, after Charlottesville and its aftermath, I will not defend Trump even if the Dow hits 50,000. Keep in mind, this is CEO of a major company. I will not defend Trump even if the Dow hits 50,000. Unemployment goes to 1% and GDP grows by 7%. Some issues transcend economics and I will not in good conscience support a president who seems to hate Americans who don't look like him. The fact that Trump equated hate groups with those protesting hate lit me up. His moral leadership on this issue is reprehensible. So he publishes this over at the CNBC website and starts getting phone calls, emails, hate calls. The president of this company, who, by the way, is you know somewhere it was born and raised in Waukegan, Illinois, but his skin is a little darker than mine, and and his name is not anglicized. And so, gee, there must be some reason to take him to task or something. Maybe he's even a Buddhist. No, seriously. I, I, I understand, you know, Buddha arguably was a Hindu who then invented Buddhism, but Buddha was the founder of Buddhism. If you want Buddhists, go to Thailand. But if you want Buddhists, don't go to India. If you go to India, you want Hindus, right? And Muslims and Christians, there's you know, there's a lot, of, well, there's some Buddhists there too, but it's like, Buddha, really? You'll get this little rant when you listen to this, um, this clip we're going to play in just a second. In response to this, and this clip is is, uh, is simply a representation of, of many, many, many that Mr. Gandhi received, and some of them are printed in the article over at Raw Story, and uh, and some of them others. But he released this audio; it came off his his cell phone or off his his uh, home phone or whatever it was, or maybe his business phone. Um, you know, it was a voicemail, and he released this to the press, saying that he wanted to educate people about how racism works. He says, it was obvious that people thought my professional position somewhat protected me. In other words, as a CEO of Indian Ancestry. He said, I wanted to show people that racism is blind to socioeconomics. It just is. Even though my race is a complete non-issue in my day-to-day life, the sad reality is there's a group of racists in the U.S. who view me as a second-class citizen. I wanted my peers in the business community, the civic community, my friend community, to see that this can happen to me because there's this delusion that racism is dead because Obama was elected. Well, I'm telling you racism is not dead. This is an unidentified woman, I don't know, maybe maybe you can recognize her voice. So, although that that could be kind of dicey, so don't don't call in with names. But this is uh, you know, a woman who uh responded to his calling out Trump uh for palling around with Nazis. Here we go. For
0: Raven Gandhi, uh, I read his article on CNBC uh, internet, and he tried to give Trump a chance, but after Charlottesville, he just can't do it. Well, then, get your f- garbage and go back to India and sell it over there, because you know what? All of a sudden, you know, Buddhist statues are kind of offensive to me, so I think we should take all the Buddha statues down that we have in the United States and send them back over to India, and then you can put your stickies on them, okay, and cover their face. So don't tell us about Donald Trump, don't tell us about this country, and I can assure you, you're not gonna tell us what statues stand and what statues go. So you can stick your stickies up your sticky Indian and you can take that other half-assed Bangladesh creep with you, Nikki Haley. She's the one that started all this when she took down the uh, Confederate flag. So don't tell us that you gave them a chance, we don't give a who you give a chance, okay? We're going to start taking down Buddhist statues and see how you and Nikki Haley like that. And when we're done that, then we're going to start taking down their statues, Martin Luther King, because he's offensive to me. So how do you like that? So don't tell us what goes on in this country. Go back to where the pigs live in India and go clean up your own goddamn country. It's a filthy mess. Dogs don't even live over there, okay? Dogs. You're a Indian
4: pig, and so is Nikki Haley. Racism much? I mean, This is the, it's just a small glimpse into what people of color deal with on a regular basis. It's, uh, it's a sad commentary on the state of affairs that this woman thinks that she is defending the president of the United States. That this is the appropriate way to defend the president of the United States. It doesn't get much more broken than that. When you think that this is the way that you that you defend the president by, by calling up the CEO of a company and going off on a racist rant about his ancestors or his ancestry and then attack our ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it really is a, a, a commentary on what has brought Trump to power. Hey, Tom Hartman here with the Tom Hartman program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about SuperBeets. I'm drinking SuperBeets, a circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beets fitness in a glass. With SuperBeets, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of SuperBeets and feel results in as little as 20 minutes, guaranteed. To your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer, you can try Super Beats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results, plus two indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results. Guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Uh, Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to tomsbeats.com, T-H-O-M-S-Beats.com, and check it out. Welcome back. Okay, I I had... Also, I mean, there's a lot of other things going on in the world just to, just to close the the loop on Afghanistan and we can continue talking about it when I pick up your calls in a minute, but just, uh, this Congressional Progressive Caucus. Now, why is this not in the news? Well, because it's progressives and the corporate media in the United States doesn't like progressives. The corporate media in the United States doesn't want unions. The corporate media in the United States doesn't want, you know, antitrust activity. The corporate, you know, on it goes, right? But, uh. But they are making news. Congressional Progressive Caucus co-chairs Representative Raul Grijalva of Arizona and Representative Mark Pocan of Wisconsin and the Congressional uh, Progressive Caucus Peace and Security Task Force Chair, Barbara Lee, made the following statement in response to Trump's authorization of a troop increase in U.S. military personnel in Afghanistan. Quote, before becoming president, Donald Trump pushed for an end to the longest war in U.S. history. Tonight, President Trump betrayed yet another campaign promise to chart an alternative foreign policy by presenting a strategy in Afghanistan that simply retreads the same tried and failed techniques, tactics, enacted by previous administrations. By pursuing yet another troop surge instead of diplomatic efforts, Trump will only prolong U.S. involvement in this senseless, decade-and-a-half-old conflict. We cannot ask our servicemen and women to continue sacrificing again and again, the shifting objectives and vague goals that this administration is using to justify this endless war. And uh, then they, they call for pulling, you know, repealing the AUMF, the Authorization to use Military Force, as an alarming range of life and death decisions are being relinquished to unelected military officials. This is the military coup I was referring to. Congress must urgently step in and fulfill its constitutional duty to oversee war. We must repeal the ill-fated authorization for use of military force from 2001, which has been used as a blank check by three administrations for a conflict that has dragged on for nearly 16 years, has cost taxpayers nearly a trillion dollars, and has killed thousands of Afghans and Americans. And then they, they add, Neither Trump nor his top military officials have offered a plausible explanation of how more U.S. troops and weapons in Afghanistan will lead to victory. They've offered no clear idea of what success might look like or any metrics for gauging success. A fresh deployment of additional U.S. personnel will the, instead aggravate the war's human con, uh, costs. After only 16 years, it is clear that there is no military solution in Afghanistan. Only a diplomatic approach, which acknowledges the complexity of the, countries, of the country can bring about a just and lasting peace for Afghans. Totally agree. I mentioned Ray Diallo, or Dalio in the last hour. Uh, this is from today's Financial Times. The headline is Ray Dalio turns cautious amid Washington conflict. And the the guy, he's the world's biggest hedge fund manager. He runs a hedge fund called Bridgewater that manages $150 billion in other people's money and assets. And uh, they point out that the S&P 500 has dropped 1.7% from the time Trump started saber rattling with, with Korea, through Charlottesville, through all this stuff. And, uh, he is concerned that the, the so-called Trump trades have faded out and says, you know, conflicts have now intensified to the point that fighting to the death is probably more likely than reconciliation. He's talking about Democrats and Republicans. And, uh, you know, basically I think he's, he said, you know, we're not going to get anything done. Trump keeps blowing stuff up. And, uh. This, they, the article notes, Andrew Lapthorne of Societe Generale noted that share buybacks, this is, you know, you've heard me talk many times about how, how CEOs jack up their pay for themselves and all the senior executives by having the company borrow money or take its profits and use those to buy back their shares from the open market, thus reducing the number of shares in circulation, thus increasing the price of each share. Because the, the price of a share is the value of the company divided by the number of shares, you know, that are issued. And so here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, This this guy with society general says that share buybacks have fallen by 20% year on year and argued that over leveraged U.S. companies, in other words, too much in debt, U.S. companies have finally reached the limit on being able to borrow simply to support their own shares. In other words. The stock market is as high as it is, not because Trump is a wonderful president, not because the economy is doing well, not because people are, are happy with their jobs and, and everything is great here in Trump land. No, the stock market is as high as it is because CEOs have been running a con for decades they bought where they have their companies buy back their own shares, thus inflating their stock value, thus increasing their, their own personal take home pay. And what does it do to the company? It leaves it with debt. And Ray Dalio is saying, you know, these companies have borrowed all they can borrow. Nobody's going to loan them any more money, so they can't do any more share buybacks. That is really scary. Honey. Welcome back, Tom Hartman, here with you. And on the line with us is Tish O'Dell, the uh, uh, the Ohio organizer and Ohio Community Rights of the uh, OHCRN, Ohio Community Rights Network, and state coordinator with the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, CELDEF. The website is CELDEF.org, C-E-L-D-F.org. And uh, a great new movie out, uh, We the People uh, 2.0. It's, uh, uh, the, the website is We the WeThePeople2.film, and of course CELDEF.org. Tish, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Tom.
4: Thanks for joining us. Oh, and I should say, I think, is this your uh, Twitter account, uh, M-A-D-I-O-N Mom?
2: Oh, probably from Maddie on Mom.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Maddie on Mom. Uh, Okay. Um, So tell us about the movie, uh, We the People 2.0.
2: Well, um, my role in it actually is telling the story of my community, which is Broadview Heights. And the movie actually goes to several communities throughout the United States. And it starts out telling the people's stories in each of these communities. And Pennsylvania comes to Ohio here in Broadview Heights and then goes on to Oregon, And, you know, how the people tried to protect themselves from some environmental harm or project coming in to their community and the realization that the way the system set up, they couldn't stop this harm. They had no power to stop it. And that's what we call call the community rights movement. And it's the realization people get. They start going through the system trying to stop the harm and realize they can't and realize the power actually lies within themselves. Yeah. And that we as people have the power to pass laws. And that's why we call them community bills of rights.
4: So, uh, Tish, tell us the story of your community. Uh, what, what exactly happened that, that provoked, uh, to start out with, what, you know, what provoked this response from you and your friends and, and uh, then what happened when you, when you uh, engaged in it?
2: Right. Broadview Heights, um, it's just a suburban community. It's 11 miles south of Cleveland, just to give you some idea where we're at. Mm-hmm. We have no industry in the community. And um, we started noticing about 2008, 2009, um, a lot of drilling started going on in our suburban community. And a lot of the homes are on quarter acre, half acre lots. Um, didn't think too much of it because even my parents were approached and had were kind of forced into signing a lease and at the time you know the question you ask is is it safe and of course people asked that and they all said sure the state approved it it's safe they wouldn't let it go in if it wasn't
4: well, So is this for fracking? More... Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Forgive my it's interruption.
2: Yes. Yep and um at the time you know they'd doing it next to schools next to churches next to playgrounds well the more you put in we're actually our community's only 13 square miles and we currently have 90 wells so we were averaging 10 to 15 wells going in a year And we all know the more you put in, then you increase the chance of accidents happening. Well, that's what started happening. We started having um, a spill. There was 200 gallons, which, you know, doesn't seem like a lot, but in a small community it is, um, that spilled uh, into a creek going behind people's houses. We had a lady who there was black oil coming up through her backyard. We had home evacuations on school nights because then people started being aware and they'd get nervous. They'd smell odd smells and the fire department would come and evacuate the homes. Mm. So, you know, we started going, wait a minute, something's not right here. We were told it was safe. There was nothing (laughs) wrong. Something's wrong here. Um, And that led us to go into the process which is told in the movie our stories told in the movie and in the end what we realize is that we don't just have a fracking problem we have a democracy problem here
4: right and the nature of your democracy problem was what
2: well one that we have a state government that passed a state legislature that passed a law preempting us in local communities from saying no we don't want this in our communities
4: so you had, you had a state government, this is a, a Republican-run state, but I don't think this is an entirely partisan issue. Um, you had a state government that said, we're going to prioritize the interests of the fossil fuel and fracking industry over that of any community in our state. And so they passed a law saying individual communities may not say no to the, fat, to the frackers. And, right. and, and how did you take that on?
2: Well, it was funny, I actually personally I thought, well, you know, the locals are telling us their hands are tied and they can't do anything. So what I taught and I believed, you know, that our democracy you run for office then. So that's what I did very naively. I ran for mayor of the community thinking, Well I can stop the drilling that way. Mm. Well, I learned a lot of hard lessons, you know, but it was good. It was all good practice. Did and you become mayor? One of, pardon?
4: Did you become the mayor?
2: No, 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 no.
4: Oh, okay.
2: I didn't have enough of a war chest already yeah. to it up. Um, but what happened is I was doing a campaign event and actually showing the movie Gasland, and someone at the end of the movie stood up and said, Have you ever heard of Cell Def? And I was like, No. Who's Cell Def? Um, so of course I went home and Googled what they were, and I thought, Well, you know what? We've tried everything else, going to the regulatory agencies, the state, the local governments. What have I got to lose? So me and a couple of other moms, we looked them up, contacted them, and, um, it was actually Ben Price from Cell Def, and he talked to us at length met with us and helped us draft our law. He made us realize that, wait a minute, we the people have the right to be legislators in our communities. And in Ohio, we actually have the right to initiative to propose laws, you know, by initiative, get enough signatures and put it on the ballot. And so that's what we did in 2012. And it passed
4: um, by 67 percent of Now, this was a local law that said no to the fracking companies in defiance of the state law. Is that right?
2: Correct. And we based it on rights because we said we, the people, have the right to clean air. We have the right to clean water um, to local self-government. And we said because this industry and these projects that are coming in are going to violate our rights to clean air and clean water, we have the right to say no.
4: So what happened when that past, now you've got a city with a law and a state with a law, and these laws are in opposition to each other. Uh, how, where did that end up?
2: Right. In court, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, of course. And the, uh, it was two drillers um, that sued Broadview Heights. And at first they sued because they just wanted the courts to overturn our law, hmm. um, which the court obliged and did. And then we, the people, we filed a class action lawsuit against the state, um, against the governor, against the oil and gas. Association, you know, all the, the bad guys in this scenario, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, took that to court. And We wanted to, you know, claiming we have the right to stop this. And of course, the judge overturned that. We appealed that. So this all went on. It took, the movie takes us up. We're in the middle of the lawsuits, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, so the end of the story, if you watch the movie and you don't know, is that we have wound up losing in the appeal um, level of the courts here. But what's interesting about that, we haven't had one new well drilled in Broadview Heights since we passed our law.
4: Right. So um, apparently, I mean, even though you didn't succeed in quotes, you succeeded. I mean, the, you you uh, woke up a community, you informed people of their rights, you demonstrated to them how, how fragile democracy is and how easily it's co-opted by the, uh, the oligarchs, in this case, of the fossil fuel industry. Right. And and uh, that seems like a pretty good start. I mean, CELDEF has been doing this for years with communities all over the country. And I, I just, I love the work that, that they're doing, uh, Tom Lin- Thomas Lindsay and, and the whole bunch. This Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, CELDF.org, if you're unfamiliar with it, get over to their website and check right, it out.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. One of the other things in Ohio, what's really interesting is at the time, I mean, I did not, you know, this is all a learning process because it's so new to us. It's a different way of looking and thinking about the problem and the solutions. We don't always think that it's our government that's the problem when we get into this. We think it's a pipeline or it's a fracking well or it's, you know, GMO seeds or whatever the, you know, minimum wage. But that's really not what the issue is. The issue is that we have this democracy problem underlying all those um, symptoms. And in Ohio, they obviously hoped that by defeating Broadview Heights, because in 2012, we were the first community to pass one by initiative by the people voting. There was another community where their council passed one the same year. And what's interesting is, I know, taking it through the courts, what they try to do is they want to make sure no one else tries the same approach. Hmm. You know, and and what it didn't do, though, which I'm happy about, is that exact thing. We've, since 2012, now had over 34 attempts by various communities throughout Ohio to try and pass bills of rights. Some of them have succeeded and passed. Some, the industry has fought like hell to make sure they got defeated, and now with the state they've progressed even more because at each defeat they figure the people will go away. This is a lot of work for the people to get a law passed, Um, and it hasn't had that effect. More and more has come out. So now in December of 2016 what the state legislature did is they passed a law, added it, you know, threw it in a Christmas tree amendment type thing. It was a foreclosure bill, and they actually targeted – um, people's initiative, the right to initiative, and said that now local boards of elections can keep initiatives by the people off the ballot if they feel, in their opinion, it's illegal or unconstitutional.
4: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So we're talking with Tish O'Dell, the, uh, the, the Ohio organizer with CELDEF. CELDEF.org is the website. We the People, number two, we the people, two, dot film is the We the People movie. Uh, Tish, tell us how people can watch the movie.
2: Um, they can watch it. There's a, so many different ways. It's actually going to be—I I don't have the schedule, but if you go to our website on Link TV, mm-hmm. this Dish and Direct TV, it's the next few days over the next few weeks. I think there's several showings. So if you go to the Cell Def website, you can look that up. Okay. Um, you can purchase the movie. It's on Hulu. It's on Amazon.com. Um, so there's a lot of different ways. You can schedule a showing in your own community, and that's mm. all on the website.
4: Mm. Great stuff. Great stuff! It's it's like the, a a renewal of democracy. What a what a novel idea! Uh, you're a real hero, uh, a real hero here, Tish. Um, thanks so much for what you're doing, and thanks for coming on the program. To tell us about it.
2: Thank you so much, Tom. And the people are the heroes.
4: Yeah, amen. Good talking <laughs> with you. The uh, the organization CELDF, C E L D F, as in Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, CELDF. dot org. Uh, we the people number two. dot film the movie. And check it out. We'll be back. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between. Plus best of the rest of the news. and don't forget. Democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag your' it. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.